0: I'm Hemant Metta, and I'm flying solo today, and you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. You can now listen to all of our episodes and see show notes at FriendlyAtheistPodcast.com. And by the way, we now have a merchandise shop on our website. So if you want your podcast swag, and you know you do, go to our website and click on the store tab. Susan Gerbick is a photographer and skeptical activist from California. She contributes to the Skepticality podcast and Skeptical Inquirer magazine. In addition to co-founding the Monterey County Skeptics, she leads a really fascinating group called Gorilla Skepticism on Wikipedia, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Susan, thanks for being with me.
1: Oh, it's so great to be here.
0: Great. So how did you get interested in doing all this skeptical stuff? For people who aren't familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I am born and raised in Salinas, California. And, oh, by the way, I've got a little bit of a cold, so if I sound extra sexy right now, that's, <laughs> it's the cold, okay? Got it. <laughs> that's not my normal voice, necessarily. But, um, you know, I, I was raised uh, Southern Baptist, and I was, um, I didn't know anything about atheism. I didn't, you know, back in the day, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have anything like that. The only thing we had was a library and a TV with a couple of channels on it. So raised out here in California, um, I didn't really know anything about anything. I was pretty gullible and pretty, pretty uh, alienated out here. I didn't really have family, a lot of family or anything like that. I'm 53, by the way, so if anybody wants to think back of what it was like <laughs> maybe 50 years ago, back in the prehistoric days, and we all rode dinosaurs to work, you know.
0: That but, is what um, Ken Ham says.
1: <laughs> I came across the book, uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare's book, all, I think it was called All About Atheists, or I'm trying to remember. I have it here somewhere on one of my bookshelves, but I don't Sure, but that. one of all those
0: classic bad. atheist books.
1: Yeah, and I had never heard of atheism before. One of my one of my high school teachers had was saluting the flag, and he did not mention the under God part. And that's <laughs> the first time, I swear, that is the first time I realized that there was this thing called atheism because I asked him, I said, why aren't you not saying the under God? And I was a very religious girl. At least I, I was trying to be. I didn't really know any different. And he said that he didn't believe in God. And I was shocked. I was shocked. I think it must have been 16 or 17 And at that point, it hadn't dawned on me that you could not believe. In fact, you had to have a religion. Everybody had a religion, duh. But people had different ones. So after that, I got, uh, eventually I got into, to make a long story short, I got into Skeptical Inquirer magazine. I came across that somehow. And I was hooked. And then I read a lot. I we didn't have podcasts back then, but I did whatever I could to get myself some knowledge. And eventually, a uh, long, long, long way later, I started attending uh, conferences that I could find that were nearby. I went on the JREF cruise. I went to TAM um, and on. I was looking for something to do. It felt like it was my time to step up and do something because I'd been consuming this information for so long that it was time for me to, to uh, step forward and, and do something. I'm quite active. I'm a very, uh, I don't know how you want to say it, it's just I'm a very outgoing kind of person. I love people, very friendly. You know, it's really,
0: I find it really interesting know. that you really got into this with Skeptical Inquirer magazine because there is... Uh, like a group of people who kind of really got into this through magazines like Skeptical Inquiry, Free Inquirer, Madeline Murray O'Hare's books. And then there was this while, at least for me, there was like a time when it seemed like the people who were becoming atheists all did it because of Sam Harris or Richard Dawkins. And when I talked to college students, high school students now who are atheists, they got into it for very different reasons, too. They saw someone on YouTube or something and it's almost kind of nostalgic, sad that I really don't hear anyone anymore who picked up one of those magazines in a library, and that's what's converted them. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Well, library. Well, you got to remember, there was nothing. There really, really was nothing. Anything that was on the paranormal was going to be a pro paranormal book. It right. was nothing that you could get other than Skeptical Inquirer magazine, and then later, you know, uh, Skeptic magazine came out, and so on. But there really was nothing. So for people in my age group and uh, who are in their fifties, we didn't really have anything. I mean, I think there might have been some rogue books around, there, but Baktin, who was that? That was right. nobody. I never heard of him. What was Anybody it in was
0: Skeptical? Nobody? What was it in Skeptical Inquirer that you just thought, "Oh, this finally makes sense!" Uh, like this is <laughs> this is what I believe.
1: Well, well I had nothing to do with atheism. I I, I had I believed in sun sign signs. I believed in Um, Sasquatch. Uh, We didn't call him Bigfoot. We called him Sasquatch. Because he was in TV. There's a movie. And so Hollywood wouldn't have made a movie that wasn't real. I mean, come on (laughs) now. So so atheism was completely separate uh, from my skepticism and my interest in the paranormal and ghosts and things like that. That was great stuff. I mean, gosh, I love haunted stories and things like that. That was really good stuff. So they were completely separate. Um, you know, Skeptical Inquirer magazine had nothing to do with the atheism. And eventually, when I started finding the community, I think I was with the JREF Forum, because this is free facebook
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: You know, that's when you started saying, wait a minute. Oh, oh atheism and skepticism. Okay, I get it. Because I see skepticism as a method, a way of thinking about things. It has nothing to do with a set of beliefs. But sometimes, interchangeably, we do say the skeptic community, the skeptic topic. You right. Know?
0: And when you apply then, skepticism right. to religion, you get atheism, essentially.
1: Exactly. Right. So it's kind of a—most uh, people I know do come to atheism first. That's usually the first thing that's challenged um, within their set of beliefs, but the— um skepticism thing was just seems to be more my angle. I'm more interested in claims and um atheism, you know I'm really cool with people being uh, religious. I have lots of religious friends. that's that's great. That's fine. I see the harm in religion um I in the extreme of anything. Um, but i'm I'm not a I'm not one of those, you know, take all down religion and all that kind of stuff. I'm definitely not one of those kind of people. <laughs> but if they make a claim, prayer through healing all that pisses me off
0: right anybody
1: who that i mean anytime they make any kind of claim that is not substantiated by proof you know the hairs on the back of my neck go up i just i'm like wait okay it's cool if you you know feel comfort and you know that's great i love more power to you if you feel that that's giving you some kind of solace and you're you know you're able to get through things better and meditation all that that Don't you dare say that you're talking to your dead family, or (laughs) or want to cross over? Because we could talk to our dead, but you know the dead don't talk back. Right. So that's that's really got me. My favorite favorite paranormal topic has always been speaking to the dead. That's really 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 gets me. We call them grief vampires, (laughs) and um, they just take advantage of people, and then they add the religious element in there. That's there because. Once you add religion into anything like that then you your hands have to be off the subject because you're picking on the religion
0: I'm amazed and that that's still a thing mm-hmm. that's going on whether it's through like a crossing over with John Edward uh James von Prague whoever it is I'm surprised that talking to the dead in the way that they do is still one of those things some people believe happens well
1: yeah you know I was just in China um last a few weeks ago, and we went to... There was a a, a day, um, it's a huge holiday over there in China and Hong Kong, called Double Night, and it's a day of celebration of your relatives. It's like Dia de los Muertos here in in America. And one of the Chinese men that we we met, he said, you guys don't believe in ghosts. He said he didn't understand that, because on the anniversary of his grandmother's death, a butterfly visits them <laughs> and we're like yeah and he says well explain that
0: <laughs> there are like, butterflies outside that's how it works <laughs>
1: yeah. uh what do you you know so you know it, it was in his mind the butterfly visits his grandparent. his grandmother is the butterfly and they visit and she visits mm-hmm. with them and it's a great comfort and they talk to him all the time you know there's um, you know, something moves in the room. Well, that's grandpa or, you know, whatever. They don't have psychics like we have over here because there's no, they don't need that person in the middle to talk to their relatives. They constantly can talk to the relatives.
0: They have superstitions like, of a different sort. It seems.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's a very interesting thing. And they have conversations with them about how their life is going. They get advice. <clears throat> so, you know, I mean, we kind of do the same thing of sorts too. I, I know, I think about my parents, too, and, and think about, you know, what they would say if I was able to ask them, and yeah. in a way, they answer me, because I am their child, and I kind of know what they would say, so.
0: Right. So going. <laughs> so religion
1: is a big part of the paranormal um, speaking to the dead, because not only is it a way of keeping your hands off of somebody's um, claims, because they just say, hey, that's my that's my belief, leave me alone, but also because of tax exemptions. A lot of these um, paranormal groups become churches, and then they're now tax-deductible.
0: Isn't that convenient? Isn't that
1: sweet, (laughs) yes. Not only can you not uh, challenge their claims, but they also get the tax deduction. So yeah, I know, it's, it's, it's enough to make you scream, but... We do what
0: we can. Yeah. So you you started getting involved in all this skepticism in in that world, being part of the James Randi Foundation, those forums, and you said you wanted to find a way to give back to this community that had given so much to you. How did you begin your activism? Then, at what point did you say, okay, this is a niche where I can really provide something?
1: Oh, yeah, and that was almost an accident, because I, I was trying to find what I could do, because I'm very social, I know lots of people, I was trying to hook people up with people who should know each other, because, you know, this person's a good person to do this, and I wasn't getting anywhere, I didn't really know what I was doing. Then, <clears throat> I went on another j cruise, this time to the Caribbean, and Tim Farley was on that, and I've known Tim Farley before, but he gave a skeptic camp, presentation on editing wikipedia and why that's important
0: uh-huh. and
1: i took notes. and i said oh that's nice but i'm a photographer by trade i really don't know anything about technological things i'm a baby photographer actually so i i um uploaded a photo of brian dunning to uh wikipedia
0: um, you know, and Brian hosts the cruise, Skeptoid thought, podcast. That's
1: really nice. <clears throat> I figured out how to do that. Yeah. And I uploaded the photo. I put it on his Wikipedia page, and I said, wow, this picture looks nice, but <laughs> this page looks like crap. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did is I started playing around with it, and I self-taught myself to edit Wikipedia. And I really made a lot of mistakes. I really didn't know what I was doing for a long time because I don't really understand written directions real well. I'm more of a hands-on kind of person like most people Uh, Wikipedia is kind of made for people to be reading the directions. And so it it, it appeals to a certain personality type, a certain type of person who's very um, analytical and, and, um, you know, likes written things. When you say you made a
0: mistake with, like, Brian's Wikipedia page, what what sort of mistakes are we talking here?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I, I... I did other things at the time, you know. The, the whole history of Wikipedia is open, so if somebody wants to go back far enough, they can see every yeah. mistake I made. They're just, they were really bad things. They just, I just had a lot of trial and error, lots of errors, citation errors, and. um...
0: We had a small glitch in the audio right there, and Susan was basically saying that when she's editing Wikipedia, the mistakes aren't really about objectivity. Uh, People, She used to make mistakes maybe on grammar, uh, how to cite something properly, small things like that. So it wasn't anything about, oh, she's adding her own bias into an article on Wikipedia. With that said, I'm going to jump forward to another point in our conversation, and hopefully none of you will even notice there was any problem whatsoever. All right, Susan, one of the questions that I had for you is that I've seen some criticism of what you guys do, which is that, you know, if I own a homeopathy company or I'm a psychic, I see these skeptics coming onto the Wikipedia page for my topic, and they're basically saying, oh, you know, there's no evidence for this. You're basically injecting your opinion into my world. How do you respond to that sort of criticism?
1: Well, it's a great topic because we do get that criticism every once in a while. Uh, Usually what happens is the homeopath is criticizing um, us for putting scientific uh, evidence-based information that's unrefuted by the scientific community into a page on homeopathy. But that same homeopath would probably be uh, giving us a high five if we had, you know, did the same kind of thing to a psychic's page because they don't like psychics, and they know there's no evidence for uh, speaking to the dead.
0: You would think they would all be on the same team.
1: Yeah, so it's okay in one case, but it's not okay in the other. So um, what we're able to do is, when you're putting a citation on Wikipedia, I can't give my opinion. I can only give the evidence. I can only say um, that this has been... This is the, uh, the... how do I say, wait. Okay. <clears throat> this is the opinion, or not the opinion. This is what the medical community, the consensus of the medical community, says about homeopathy. And so we're more than welcome to put their well-researched, well-documented information on a homeopathy page or a psychic page or whatever. But until that information is here, we can't put it up.
0: So you're not saying homeopathy is wrong because I say it's wrong. You're saying, you know, the New York Times had an article where they where a scientist said this or the journal Nature had this to say about homeopathy. Uh, and they're welcome to do the same if they want, if they can find that information. But you're saying it is all objective and you can back it all up. Right.
1: And here's here's a really good example, because it's I'll read one sentence off the homeopathy lead It says, the continued practice of homeopathy, despite a lack of evidence of efficacy, has led to it being characterized within the scientific and medical communities as nonsense, quackery, and a sham. And those are all cited. <laughs> uh, six, seven, eight, eight citations showing each word, like the sham, the quackery, the nonsense, the lack of e- evidence.
0: So if they have you a know, problem with it, they could take it up with the people you cited because you're just saying what they said.
1: Yes, and the people that we cite have to be notable. I can't say, you know, Joe Smith somewhere says that you guys are full of bullshit. (laughs) I I have to say that, you know, uh, 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 Stephen Novella or the medical uh, board of whatever, you know, the American Cancer Society or whoever it is that has relevance, um, who's who's accredited and who has – who's considered noteworthy. Those people are people I can talk about. So I'm giving my opinion to some extent, but through people who have really great um, reasons to to cite their opinion. And we could use their homeopaths, but their homeopaths aren't notable.
0: Right. They're citing the guy who has a uh, blog in his basement, who writes his blog from his basement, but you're (laughs) citing people who have real standing uh, formal education. (laughs) They have some credibility.
1: A homeopath possibly may have um educations. They've got a degree in homeopathy. for
0: right.
1: <clears throat> you know, so whatever that's worth. And right. maybe they have some books out. But it's everything has um like a, a magazine, you can't just cite a journal because the journal has to be a notable journal. It has to have pass some sort of um okay look at it this way. A newspaper is a newspaper but um, some newspapers are not uh, notable, like the Inquirer or the um, Examiner. Right. Those we can't use because those are journalistic rags to some extent. You know, they're not – they don't have an editor. They don't have an oversight that that we can use to quote. It, we're, we're looking for citations that are are considered journals that have editors. A Skeptical Inquirer magazine, skeptic magazine, the um, – free inquiry those all have editors so they're all considered reputable so what's written in those should have been fact-checked and they back up whatever the statements are that are in there so we can use those as, as notable citations whereas uh answers in genesis um is we can't really use that as a site because they're not using the same journalistic integrity and you know editing and have an editor oversight on them. Right. I can use Answers in Genesis to say, according to Answers in Genesis, they say blah, blah, blah. I could use that to some extent because we want criticism on the page. Everything we write, we want to try to find a pro and try to find some criticism if it's noteworthy enough. Right. Because we want it on the page because otherwise people will say, well, you didn't look at this study or you didn't look at that that article. But if it's on the Wikipedia page and it says, yes, we did look at this article, here it is, and now here's what the critics of that article say, and here's the flaws in the methodology of that, um, then then they can say, oh, oh, okay, well, all right.
0: I have one, excuse me, I have one last question for you, Susan. If someone is interested in joining you uh, in part of this team, the guerrilla skeptics team, what can they do? Well,
1: we find a lot of people who come to us just thinking, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest thing in the world, and I have to join this team. But they join in their enthusiasm, and they don't realize that this is something that's a big deal. It's not something you're going to learn overnight. So what I tell people to do now is to go to our YouTube channel, which is G-S-O-W on YouTube or something. I don't want to give everybody the URLs because we want people who are capable of finding the URLs without <laughs> me actually spelling it out for Sure. Us. <laughs> we got to be able to do a little research. So we want them to go to our YouTube channel. And I have many interviews with editors and, um, that I've done, and I really want them to listen to these interviews and learn about what the project is all about, um, hear from my editors, why they do this, why are they passionate about this. And then <clears throat> those interviews talk about the training. They talk about what to expect, some of the projects we've done. I would like somebody to kind of come to the project with knowledge of what what to expect and how to train, and then we ask them to maybe go to our blog, read some of our pages, look at the before and after and see what we've done, and then write to us at gsowteam at gmail.com and and say, hey, you know, I'm really interested in this. I heard about this on the Friendly Atheist podcast, I went and I listened to a few interviews, and to your blog and, you know, this looks like something that I think that I could do. Um, You don't have to have a lot of time, but it is a commitment because the training can take weeks. It can even take months. And then once you're finished and you're trained, then I put you on an editing team depending on your language. And then once you're on a team, then you work on projects. We're working on a project coming up here in 2016 that's going to be all about books skeptic books, or writing Wikipedia pages for for books, like we did with your book. Um, And we we kind of focused on this topic so we could make a big impact at once. Um, In 2015, our focus was vaccines. And we wrote probably 30, 40 different pages on vaccines, uh, people who promote vaccinations, um, anti-vaxxers, anti-vax books. Uh, organizations that are pro-vaccination, we did a lot of different things like that, and we we try to focus on things, and then people also working on pages that they they find interesting to themselves as well. So once you're trained, you can work on anything. But while you're going through training, you work on what I tell you to do because I want you to sure. uh, learn certain tasks. And um, I'm very detailed, and I'm very hands-on.
0: Well, that's so, fan- anybody
1: can learn to edit. That's fantastic. If you can use the computer, you can learn to edit.
0: We will have links to to that stuff, uh, at least to an extent, so that they could find it themselves on our show notes for this. Uh, Susan Gerbic, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank
1: you so much, Janet.